1 Corinthians 2 is where we're at. Let me get there as well. Uh, I understand that we are on the brink of a new year, and we're naturally a bit introspective about 2017, and we're looking back at 2017, and we're evaluating how did this year go, did I meet my goals, what happened here, and naturally we're looking forward to 2018, and uh, perhaps you're like me, you're setting some resolutions and some goals, and you're trying to lay out 2018, and perhaps you've even set some spiritual goals. I hope that you have, that maybe you've, you've set up, okay, this year I want to be in church 52 out of 52 Sundays. I want to be there every year. I want to read my Bible through, or I want to have a better prayer life, or I want to witness to that family member or coworker, whatever it may be for, for your spiritual life. We're naturally doing this in our hearts and minds just because we're at the end of a new year. And this morning, I've, I want to do my best to try to assist you in your endeavors for spiritual growth. And I, I want to open up the Word of God, specifically 1 Corinthians 2 and a, and a little bit of 1 Corinthians 3, and talk to you about spiritual growth. And what we'll find is this. Here in this passage, we're going to have three categories of people that Paul, via the Holy Spirit, the Bible lists for us. And I want you to see these categories of people and a bit about them. And this is important for you, I think, in your spiritual growth in 2018 because it's difficult to get where you want to go without first knowing where you're at. This is why anytime you call someone for directions, that their first question is going to be, well, where are you at? Where are you coming from? This is why if you go to the mall and you're looking for such and such a store and you look at the legend, it's first going to say, you are here. You have to know where you're at first. And really, I think this passage of Scripture will help you identify where you're at and in turn help you identify where you need to go. So here you have three categories of people. I'm just going to read kind of three select verses here and we'll, we'll digest all of this here in a few moments. But uh, here God's word divides us into these classes. So this is not society or just, you know, naturally what we would divide people into. We tend to divide people into, you know, upper class or middle class or Republican or Democrat or male or female or educated, uneducated, however we divide people. But this is, this is God's word that actually divides people into these categories. And we're just going to read three verses by way of introduction before we pray and hear one more piece of music. So I want you just to, we're just going to bounce around here and, and read these four verses. So first you're going to find in this passage of scripture, you're going to find what's called a natural man. And a natural man is simply this, he's, he's natural. And 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, there's a second group of people, you could say, and that's the spiritual man. If you look at the next verse, you'll find the spiritual man, and he's not natural, he's supernatural. Verse number 15, he that is spiritual, so not natural, but spiritual, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Go down just a, a couple more verses to chapter 3, verse number 1. You'll find a third group of people, and that's a carnal man. Here's what Paul says in, in verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And my task this morning is to help us understand these categories of people, help you kind of identify where you're at, and in turn, you'll be able to identify where you need to go, what you need to do, hopefully, in 2018 to establish spiritual growth. And that, that's a big umbrella. Spiritual growth is a big umbrella to lump, really, what our goals should be spiritually. It should be, when it's all said and done, it should, should amount to, I want to grow this year. 
I want to be closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know my Bible better. I want to be in love with God more. I want to know him. That, that's all spiritual growth. And I think that this passage will help us this morning. Well, let's look at these three categories of people this morning, and I think that it will help us in a new year. And at first, I want you to see the natural man. And I want you to understand with, with a natural man, spiritual growth is an impossibility. If a, what the Bible calls a natural man, and when I say man, I, I use that broadly, man or woman, but if a natural man was to set a goal of spiritual growth in 2018, it would be an impossible goal. I want you to listen to a couple verses. These are on your, your handout on how the Bible describes a natural man. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we by nature, or we naturally, when we were a natural man or woman, we by nature were children of wrath, meaning that the wrath of God abides on us. We're children of wrath. Jude 19 tells us that a natural man, that, that, that's someone who separates themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, having not the spirit of God, that a natural person is, is, you could say, an unsaved person. You could say someone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's someone that, that does not have peace with God. Sins are not forgiven. The wrath of God abides on them. They do not have the Spirit of God. They're an unsaved person. And, and the Bible says that spiritual growth is impossible for a natural man. And I'll tell you why spiritual growth is impossible for a natural man. There are a few reasons. First is that they don't have spiritual activation. So here is what the Bible says in Ephesians 2. It says that we, who are not natural but are actually saved, have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So a natural person is someone who is naturally dead in their trespasses and sins, someone who is not spiritually activated, someone who does not have the Spirit of God, someone who has not been quickened. That's an old English word for made alive. That the Spirit of God has not, they have not been born again. You could say it that way. That's John 3. That they have not been made alive. There's no activation spiritually in their lives, thereby making spiritual growth really an impossibility. The batteries are not included, so they can't grow spiritually. I heard of a, a church years ago that gave their, their Sunday school children plants to grow and to nurture, and it was meant to teach them a lesson on how we should grow biblically, that just like a plant needs, needs water, needs sunlight, needs fertilizer, so you in your life, you need to be around other Christians, you need the Bible, and you need prayer, and you need these sorts of things. But they gave several of the children, not plants, but they gave them sticks, and they had those children water the sticks and fertilize the sticks and put the sticks in sunlight. And you know what happened to those sticks? Nothing. Why? Because the sticks were dead. And it was meant to teach the children a lesson that if you're dead in your trespasses and sins, if you are not spiritually activated, you can sit under the word of God, you can pray all you want, you can go to church, you can do good, you can do whatever you want to try to fertilize your life, but there's going to be zero growth because there's no spiritual activation and it's impossible for a natural man to grow because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. It's furthermore, it's made impossible because of what Paul specifically says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We read this verse about the natural man. This is verse number 14. Paul says, the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So what Paul is saying there is beyond not having spiritual activation, there's no spiritual appreciation. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That receiveth not means he, he welcomes not. 
The natural man does not welcome spiritual things and specifically says because they're foolishness unto him. He does not appreciate, she does not appreciate the things that are of the Lord because they're just, they're foolishness. A natural man may appreciate the architecture of a building. They may appreciate the order of a service. They may appreciate the beauty in music. They may appreciate in a sermon, oh, that's good oratory. They may appreciate some of those things, but to truly appreciate something that is spiritual, something that is of the Lord, something that's of the Spirit of God, they, they cannot. They don't welcome that because it's foolishness. They just, they don't understand it. They don't get it. And neither did you when you were a natural man, and neither did I when I was a natural man. It, it's impossible to appreciate that, the Bible says. And, and I've often illustrated it this way. We are, we are as humans, we have this intrinsic built inside of us appreciation for beauty, it's one of the soft arguments for a creator that we have an appreciation for beauty, that we have a conscience, that we have a sense of morality that the rest of creation does not have. But we have an appreciation for beauty that animals do not have. A dog does not look at the snowfall and just think, man, that's spectacular. That looks so pretty. How many of you hate the snow when it falls? How many of you love the snow when it falls? How many of you are kind of in the middle? You have a love-hate relationship with the snow. Okay. Regardless, it's, it, I would say it's near impossible to look at the snow when it's just fallen and, and, and not be in awe and say, that's, that's beautiful. But a, a dog can't look at that and see that. A donkey doesn't, there's donkeys all around the Grand Canyon. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon to take you rides, it, a donkey doesn't look at the Grand Canyon with a sense of awe and wonder and majesty of, of, of the spectacularness of the Grand Canyon. A donkey doesn't do that. He can't. In a similar way, someone who is not spiritually activated, someone who is not saved, a natural man, cannot look at the things of God and have an appreciation for them. There's, they're, they're foolishness to them. They don't get it and don't scold them for not getting it. They're not supposed to get it because, because they don't have the Spirit of God. It, is, it, would be, it would be more possible for a dog to enjoy the opera than it would be for a natural man to enjoy the things that are of the Spirit of God. There's no appreciation there, and there shouldn't be appreciation there. Beyond that, there's, there's no appropriation. Paul says the natural man doesn't welcome the things that are the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him. And then this, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. It's not just that he does not, it's that he cannot. It would be impossible to grow. It would be impossible to appropriate it. It would be impossible to do something with it. This is similar to John 8 where we find that he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. It is, this, this is a problem for some people that they sit in church and they wonder, why am I not growing? Why does it not, why does it not click with me? Why do I not have the energy and the zeal and the passion that other people have for the Word of God or for Jesus? And many times the problem there is that they're not saved. You're not saved. Someone's not saved. There, there's, there's a natural man or woman that's trying to appreciate and appropriate and grow spiritually, but it's an impossibility. And, and preaching for some people is like pouring water on a rock. It just hits and it runs right off. And naturally, that's what happens when someone does not know the Lord, when someone is not saved. I, for, for five years in, in youth ministry, as I ministered out in California before we got to Pennsylvania, I can't tell you how many teen parents came to me at one point in time frustrated with their teenage children. 
frustrated that it just, I'm trying, and I have them in church, and I've put them in a Christian school, and I've, I'm doing my best to educate, but it just doesn't seem like it's clicking. It doesn't seem like they're getting it. It doesn't seem like they're growing. It just, no matter what I try, nothing happens. And then you know what many times happened in that young person's life? We went to a camp at a summer. There was a service that happened, and that young person got saved. That young person came to understand that they were dead in their sins, that they needed to repent of their sin and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They could not pay for their own sins. They needed Jesus' payment. And you know what happened after they got saved? All that frustration that the parent was trying to manufacture and was trying to force on them and was trying to, to make them get it spiritually, the parent was desiring spiritual growth, and naturally so. A parent should want that. They were desiring that, but it was impossible for that young person to grow. It was impossible for that young person to appropriate the things of God because they, they weren't saved. They, they were a natural man. They were a natural woman. And, and, and this is an impossibility for a natural man. I've often illustrated it this way. This room right now, if I took three seconds of silence, this room would be filled with noise. Let's try it for a second. You say, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Any of you hear it? For those three seconds, the room was filled with sports, drama, music. It was filled with it. The problem, why you didn't hear it, is because you don't have a radio receiver. If you had a radio receiver and you tuned it to the right channel, it would immediately, that noise, it's, it's all around us right now. You just have to be able to have the right receiver. You have to be able to receive it. And a natural man can be surrounded by spiritual things, by spiritual teaching, by spiritual preaching, by spiritual people. But if they're not saved, if they're still natural, still dead in trespasses and sins, if that's you, it's your, your spirit, your receiver is out of tune. You cannot receive what is of God. And Paul says, understand a natural man that there's, they're not activated spiritually. They're, they're not supposed to appreciate the spiritual. They're not supposed to appropriate the spiritual. So what does the natural man do? And Paul spends a big chunk of chapter number two telling us exactly what the natural man does. Because a natural man or woman thinks that the things of God are foolish, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. They're not at all stupid. They're just natural. What they're doing is they're relying on the wisdom of this world. And this is what Paul does to describe before he gets to the kind of the, the end conclusion of the natural man. He spends a big chunk of chapter number two describing that a natural man depends on just worldly wisdom and philosophy. And I want, you, I want you to see this and I want you to see how Paul describes this worldly wisdom that before you were saved, before I was saved, those that are natural depend on to, to govern and to guide their lives. And he says that there's, there's worldly wisdom here and, the, and this worldly wisdom is several things. First he says it's dangerous. Look at, at chapter two, verse one. And we're just gonna walk through this verse by verse now. Paul says, and brethren, when I came to you, and when he says came to you, this is on Paul's second missionary journey. You can read about it in Acts 18. He comes to a Corinth to start this church. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul says, I didn't come with oratory. I didn't come with philosophy. That's not what I came to you with. But he says this in verse number two, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, I came to you and the only thing I was going to do was to give you Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now that it really is the key to the entire passage and I'll mention this now and maybe later on. 
first of all, you have to understand when he gets to the spiritual man, the spirit always speaks of Jesus and points to Jesus. So it's important that Paul, even when we understand a spiritual man, when we get there, that the spirit is, is always about Jesus Christ. This is why Paul says, I just wanted to give you Jesus and him crucified the end. It's also important to understand that when you're dealing with a natural man or woman, maybe you're witnessing with them, you can have a conversation about if literal creation is right or if evolution is right, but can I tell you, they're not really going to be able to, to understand or appropriate or receive that. It's going to be foolishness unto them. You can have a conversation and get in the weeds about some nuance of the Bible, but what that person needs is Jesus. And Paul understood that. He understood that I was going to give you, because he was surrounded by natural men and women who had not heard the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you Jesus, and that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you oratory. I'm not going to give you philosophy. I'm not going to give you man's wisdom. I am going to give you Jesus. If I don't have a life verse, but if I had a life verse, that would be towards the, it'd be a top runner, verse number two there of, of 1 Corinthians chapter two, that I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. But Paul continues and, and starts to talk about this worldly wisdom that's dangerous. Verse number three, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Some people think this means Paul had some sort of panic attacks or something. I'm not really sure if that's true or not. But he says, this, when I was with you, this is how I was. Verse number four, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul says, understand when I was with you, I gave you Jesus. I did not give you man's wisdom. I didn't want your faith to be in man's wisdom. I wanted your faith to be in the power of God. I wanted your faith to be in Jesus Christ. And I understand, Paul understood, that if I was to, to build you up in man's wisdom, that would have been a fool's errand. Paul understands that if I was to, to have your faith in man's wisdom, that would have been dangerous. That would have been bad for you. That would have been something that would have disappointed you ultimately. So I did not do that. I didn't give you worldly wisdom. I didn't give you man's wisdom. I gave you Jesus. He's, he continues on worldly wisdom. And he says this, worldly wisdom is devoid. Verse number six, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, so we do speak wisdom to them that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come, he says this, to naught, that comes to nothing. Paul says, understand that the wisdom of this world and the princes of this world, the, the natural men that are depending on that wisdom, that is going to come to nothing. What's Paul doing? Paul's flinging a challenge in their face, and, he, and he's saying to them, is not the wisdom of this world, the, the educated, the leaders, those that, those that are, are scientists but not saved, that they just depend on their secularism or, or their scientific methods, what he's saying is, does that not come to nothing? Where has that gotten us? Paul is doing his best to to, to say what he really just said in, in 1 Corinthians 1, a few verses previous to this in verse number 20, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You answer the question. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? It doesn't take a genius to look around and, and see our society and understand that Something's just a little bit off. I, I, I hope that, 
one day we'll get back to just being a, a completely Christian nation and just allowing the Lord to govern us. I don't know that that will ever happen or not, but I can tell you this. We can have enough sense to look around and to see the wisdom of this world that it's coming to nothing. To see that society doesn't seem morally to be improving. We've eaten through the bottom of the trash can morally and we just keep on going. It, does, it doesn't take a genius to look around and see conflicts around the world, in the Middle East, genocide that is, that is still happening. If, if you look, yes, we have more people in the world than ever before, making the, the genocide numbers easier to inflate. But if you look at the past century, there's been more genocide in the past 100 years than any other 100 years that we have on history. To look around and, and to see, does not the wisdom of this world come to nothing to depend on that, to bank on that, is, is foolish. It's, it's devoid. Paul continues in verse number seven, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. When, I, when he says mystery, he's not talking about a, a murder mystery or a whodunit mystery. He's, he's saying that which cannot be known apart from divine revelation. That which cannot be known outside of God. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Paul says no matter how hard an intellectual tries to get it, if they're natural, if they're depending on the wisdom of this world, it's devoid, they're, they're not going to get it. Skip verse 8, look at verses 9 and 10. As it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But... God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now verse number 9 has gone to a funeral way too many times. There have been many that have taken that verse, ripped it straight out of the context and said, look, I hasn't seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You can't even imagine what God has for you. You can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. You can't imagine the streets of gold and to have the reunion with loved ones. That's not at all what Paul is saying. Not at all what Paul is saying. He says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, but you have to include verse number 10. God has revealed them by his spirit. What he's saying is the natural man cannot get the things that are of the Spirit of God. What he's saying is eye hasn't seen. It's not natural observation. Ear hasn't heard. It's not natural information. Neither is it into the heart of man. It's, it's not natural revelation or inspiration. That's not possible. It's only by the Spirit of God, verse number 10. Th those have been revealed. The Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Paul is saying the wisdom of this world, relying strictly on your senses, trying to figure it out on your own is an impossibility. Spiritual growth is, is impossible for someone that is not spiritually active, for someone that is not saved. And so what do they do? They depend on the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world that cannot lead them into the spiritual things. The wisdom of the world that comes to nothing. The wisdom of the world that is dangerous. But I would even say beyond that, the wisdom of this world would even be demonic. And this is what he said in verse number 8. I'll read 7 and 8 to you. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And he says, this wisdom of God... None of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul says, let, let me just give you a case-closed argument for the wisdom of this world. 
He says, you know who crucified and who murdered Jesus? The intellectuals. Now, there may have been a crowd there that chanted crucify him, but the Bible says that they took counsel together. And who took counsel together? Well, that was the high priest. That would have been the high priest and kind of his, his cohorts around him. These would have been the intellectual people of the day. This would have been the aristocrats of the day. Who gave the order? Pilate? Someone, someone high in government authority that would have had a high education? Paul says, who crucified Jesus? The intelligentsia of the world. Not just a mob of, of people who were angry and bitter and, and just didn't know anything and wanted to go kick rocks. These were people that had the wisdom of this world. These were people that knew something. And had they known the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified Jesus. Paul says, case closed. Look where the wisdom of the world gets you. It puts Jesus on a cross. And Paul says, understand a natural man, what they're relying on, what they're banking on, and that spiritual growth, they just can't get it. It's impossible to grow, and it may be that what is, is most applicable for you this morning or most applicable for your goals spiritually in 2018, or perhaps you have no desire to grow in 2018, you, you haven't spent a second thinking about spiritual goals or what am I going to do or am I going to be closer to Jesus, that may tip your hand to the fact that I should evaluate is, there, is the Spirit there? Am, am I saved? Do I know the Lord? If so, there should be some version, some sort of inkling that's inside of you that wants to grow. And, it, and if you have a goal, but you found that I just, year after year after year, nothing happens, I get no traction, it sounds like a good idea, I come to a church, I get a sermon, I get pumped up, I want to go do something, and then nothing ever happens the rest of the year. Maybe, I'm not saying it for sure, but maybe, you just need to ask yourself the question, am I saved? Do I really know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? You say, well, well, I know all about God. Look, you can know all about bread and starve. Just because you know all about God does not mean that you know God. I spent a lot, my own personal testimony is I spent a, more than a decade of my life in church all the time with religious parents and praying before our meals and praying in church and reading my Bible and going to your Christian school and yada, 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 all of it. But I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was a natural man. I, I, there, was, there was nothing inside of me that wanted and yearned for spiritual things because I wasn't saved. And I had to come to a point in middle school in my own life where I realized I need to repent of my sin. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to be saved. And that may be what you need the most in 2018 for spiritual growth because if you don't have that first, if you don't have that first, it's an impossibility. It will not, it cannot ever happen. But Paul continues and he gives us a second category of person. He gives us the spiritual man. And what you find with the spiritual man is that spiritual growth is empowered. And this is where you want to be. Look at verse number 11. We'll continue. For what man knoweth the things of man, save or accept the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, you, you and I can understand what it means to be and feel human because we're human. I know how you feel when you trip and fall down. You feel embarrassed. We all do. Even if you're by yourself, you look around to see if anyone just saw you trip and fall down. But how do I know that? Well, I'm, I'm human. I get that. You're human. We get that. This is what Paul is saying. 
what man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Look, we, we get that. Human knows human. But, and, and likewise, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Paul is saying that if you, if you want to be a spiritual man, you have to know the spirit of God. What he's saying is you have to live by the Spirit of God. This is the only way to know God, to know life spiritually, is to actually have the Spirit of God. And, and well, how do you get that? Well, you get saved. You get born again. And this is, now, don't get the idea that you get the Spirit of God sometime after your salvation, that there's some, some second blessing or there's some, there's some miraculous time that sometime later on in life that happens. At, at the moment of salvation, you receive the Spirit of God. This is why Paul can write in Romans 8 that you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If you have Jesus, you have the Spirit. They, they go together. If you're saved, you have the Spirit of God in your life. We can quench the Spirit. We can, we can say no to the Spirit. We can deny Him. We can, we can offend the Spirit, certainly. But to, how do I get the Spirit of God? Well, you, you're saved. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and it's only then, it's only then, that you can live by the Spirit and know the things of God, grow spiritually. It comes through the Spirit of God. But Paul says more than this. He says that a spiritual man will learn from the Spirit of God. Verse number 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Look, we have got the spirit, so now we can know the things that are of God. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words with man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. What, what is Paul saying here? He's saying if he's contrasting the wisdom of this world and the Spirit of God. He's contrasting the wisdom of God with the wisdom of this world. That if you know the Spirit of God, verse number 12, then you're growing, you're learning, you're knowing. And then verse number 13, you're also speaking and giving those things out. Verse number 14, the natural man can't do that. What he's saying is that a, a spiritual man, through the Spirit of God, will learn, will grow, will dish that out. He will be growing naturally. Why? Because he's saved, because he's relying on the Spirit of God, and growth is just naturally happening. They say someone who does not know the Spirit, it's an impossibility. This is why I oftentimes in my own personal Bible study will pray several of the prayers that, that David had in Psalm 119. The one that I pray most often is, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Before, before I open my Bible, all the time, I, I will pray that, not every time, but all the time, many times throughout the course of a week. Lord, open my eyes. I can behold wondrous things out of my life. What, what is that prayer? It's, Lord, I understand. I understand that to get this, for, it, for this to impact me, for this to change me, for this to apply to my heart, I need you to teach me. I need your spirit. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need you to lead me into truth. I can't just open the book and read the words in the end. This is, this is a living book, but it's only living to those that are living in Jesus. This, this can work on my heart. This can do surgery on your life. This can help, teach, guide you, help you, but through the Spirit of God. And Paul says those that are spiritual... They live by the Spirit. They, they learn by the Spirit. And he also says that they're, they're liberated by the Spirit. Verse number 
15. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. What Paul is saying in verse number 15 is, is simply this. A spiritual man, he uses the word judges, but a spiritual man can discern all things, but no one can discern him. A spiritual man gets it and understands, but other people don't get and understand him. The natural look at him and they just, it's not going to click with them. But the spirit, the spiritual man can judge, can know. He, what he's saying is that you, if you're a spiritual man or woman, are liberated in truth. You can know what the Spirit of God says to you. You can bank on that. You can rest in that. You can guide your life through that. And you actually are liberated. You actually are set free through that, that you have the Spirit of God, you have the truth of God, and a spiritual man will digest that truth and will live by that truth. Then he says, verse number 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He said, hold on, I, I thought Paul just said, you can know God, you can know the things of God through the Spirit of God. Now he's saying, who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? How, how can he have it both ways? Either you can know God or can't know God. Here's what Paul's saying. You can know God, but you're not going to know all of God, and thereby you're not going to be God's boss. What Paul is saying is you can know, you can know the Lord. The Spirit can, will guide you in truth. You can know what his word says. You can, you can pick up this, and this will mean something to you, and this will apply to you, and this will begin to work on you because you're saved. That can happen to you, but you're not going to know all of God. I'll put it this way. You could walk down to the Allegheny River this morning, scoop up a bucket of the Allegheny River. Everything in the bucket is going to be the river, but not all the river is going to be in the bucket, right? What Paul is saying is you can fill your mind with the things of God. You can know him, but not all of God's going to be in your mind. You're not going to know all of him. You're not going to wrap your head around him, and thereby you're not going to be able to instruct him. You're not going to be the boss. You're not going to tell him what's right and what's wrong. That's, that's not what's going to happen, but you can have the mind of Christ. That a spiritual man lives by the Spirit, is learning by the Spirit, is even liberated through the Spirit, has the mind of Christ. Now that's the goal. That, there's, there's a lot that flows out of that life, but that's the goal. That's where we want to be. As someone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who is relying on his word, someone who, who looks and says, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I would make a mess of my life. I, Lord, I repent of my carnality. Lord, maybe even you get saved. And Lord, through your gracious aid, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you give me your wisdom? Would you teach me? Lord, I'm going to set some goals for my life this year. I'd like to do this. I'd like to, to witness them. I'd like to see them saved. But Lord, frankly, I'm human. I'm frail. I'm, I'm weak in my flesh and in my sin. Lord, would you help me? I need your spirit. I need your power. I need your strength. I'm dependent upon you in humility. Lord, help. That's a spiritual man that's looking to the Spirit of God, that's looking to the strength of God to guide their life, to empower them. And the good news is this, that if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, there's power there. There is wisdom there. There is help there that you can find, and spiritual growth does not have to be a matter of drudgery. It doesn't have to be a matter of discipline. It doesn't have to be a matter of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps to try to make this happen in 2018, what I could not make happen in 2017. No. The goal is to rely on the Spirit of God and say, Lord, would you help? Would you empower me? 
Now, I would, I would do this text injustice if we didn't go three more verses and include the third category of person. And that's the carnal man, kind of a, a middle ground here. And with the carnal man, spiritual growth is impaired. Here's what Paul says in verse number one of chapter three. He continues, we humans put the chapter breaks in there. Paul did not naturally have a chapter break there. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. What Paul is saying is the spiritual man that I just described is not you. And I'm unable to talk to you in a spiritual way. I have to talk to you. I have to, I have to dumb it down for you. I can't give you all the truth I want to because there's been a carnal development inside of you. That you, yes, okay, Corinthians, I'm writing to the church. You're saved people. You're not natural, but you're not spiritual either. You behave like, like baby Christians. You, you, you haven't grown. You haven't done anything in your life. Here, here's how I would put it. I look forward to the day in my life where my son Cruz, who's just a, a couple weeks old now, calls me Dada. It's going to be a cool day in about a year or so where Cruz is able to enunciate the, that one syllable, da, and do it two times over, Dada. That'll be a cool day. But if he's still calling me Dada at 15, there's, there's, there's going to be a talk, there's going to be a, a problem there. He should have grown up a little bit by then. He should call me dad or daddy or, or sir, boss, the excellent, or whatever he wants to call me. But, but probably not dada. I expect that of him when he's one, when he's two, when he's, when he's three maybe, but, but I expect him to grow a bit. And the carnal man that Paul's about to address has the opportunity for growth, has the ability for growth, has the empowering of the Holy Spirit, should he look to that, but for whatever reason has chosen not to and has, has developed in a carnal way, and it's sad. And Paul's saying, look, I, I want to speak to you as spiritual. I wish that, that you were spiritual people, that I could give you some, some higher level truth here, but I, I can't right now. This is just, I have, no, I have no verse for this. This is just my estimation. As I, as I have seen Christianity in America, my estimation of American Christianity is that carnal Christianity is average. Now, it's not normal. It's extremely abnormal. It's unnatural, biblically, for someone that knows the Lord Jesus Christ to live in a carnal way, but it is sometimes typical and very average. It could be that's where you find yourself this year. It could be that as you look at 2018 and wanting to, to have spiritual growth that you need to understand, that growth is going to be impaired if you continue to live life in a carnal way. That's never a normal development for a child of God. You say, well, well what does carnality look like? I'm glad you asked. Paul tells us. Verse number two. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. What Paul says is carnal, carnal Christians get on a, a carnal diet. He says, I wasn't originally able to feed you with meat, and that's natural. For a baby Christian to not be able to handle some sort of bigger truth, for them to be bottle-fed a bit, to, to desire the sincere milk of the word, that's, that's fine, that's normal, that's biblical. You may be a new Christian in the room. If you're a new Christian in the room, then you should naturally need to be bottle-fed a little bit, and, and your Bible intake should, should naturally need to be from some people that are, that are giving it to you and digesting it for you and, and feeding you, spoon-feeding you. That's fine, but it's, that should change. 
And Paul says, I couldn't feed you with meat, and I can't do it now. You're still not able to bear it. You're still on a diet of milk. You're still living in a carnal way. And there, some have said that there's, there's three stages in the Christian life. There's stage number one, you're fed. Stage number two, you're able to feed yourself. Stage number three, you're able to feed others also. And if that's true, then what Paul is saying is you're still in stage one. You still need to be fed. You're still babies spiritually, and there should have been some growth. You should start feeding yourself, maybe even start to feed other people. This is what the author of Hebrews said. This is a sad verse in the Bible, but the author of Hebrews said exactly this in Hebrews 5, verse number 12. He said, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The author of Hebrews says, look, you should be teaching other people, but you're in need that other people teach you right now. And he continues, the back half of the verse says, and you are become as such that have need of milk and not of strong meat. The same problem that Paul had here, the author of Hebrews had there, that you should, you should have grown. There should have been some development. You should have started to feed yourself a little bit. You should have started to, re- through the Spirit's power, you should have been able to, to take in the Bible some on your own, maybe even grow to a point where you can start to give it out to other people and, and help other people along. And Paul says, you're on, a, you're on a diet that's carnal, it's milk. What's milk? Already digested food. Food that someone took in, went through their digestive tract, they digested it, processed it, and now they're giving it to you. That's what, that's what milk is. And Paul says, you, you Christians that are carnal, the only way that you're growing at all is if someone takes the truth that they've learned and they stick a bottle in your mouth and, and make you feed a little bit. Paul says it shouldn't be the case. And maybe the, the, the simplest goal for you this year would be, you know what, if I'm honest with myself, I don't know that I'm really able to feed myself spiritually right now. If we had no church for a month, I'd be toast. That shouldn't be the case. If we were overrun by some terrorist country and the church had to go underground and all you had was Jesus, There should be, not when you're first saved, but you should grow to a point where you're able to feed yourself. You're able to have a relationship. We're able to open up his word. We're able to to get something out of his word. And beyond that, you should eventually grow to where you can help other people. All of us. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a good orator. I don't feel like that's my gift. Okay, at least, your, at least your family, at least your children, your spouse, you should be able to teach and feed and help other people. That should, be, that should be the goal of growth spiritually. But Paul says, you're carnal. You're on, a, you're on a carnal diet. And lastly, he says this, which is maybe most applicable, that there's carnal divisions. Verse number three. He says, I couldn't, I couldn't give you spiritual because you're carnal. I couldn't feed you with meat because you're on a carnal diet. And then verse number three. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You know what causes divisions in a church family? Any church family. I don't care where it is. I don't care what country it is. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care if it's the new church plant and whatever the island is that I can't pronounce that they're going to go, you know, plant in Vanuatu. I don't care if it's that church or our church or anyone in between. You know what causes divisions among any family, a church family? Carnality. It is, it is impossible. It's impossible for you to be a spiritual man or woman and have a two-way street of strife. Sure, someone can not like you, someone can give you the cold shoulder, someone can be carnal towards you, but it's impossible for you to be a spiritual man or woman and have that street be a two-way street. 
for there to be a division, for there to be envying of them, for there to be strife, and for there to be contentions. You say, Pastor, I feel like we have a pretty loving church here, that Harvest is a pretty friendly family, a pretty welcoming family, and and you know what? I would absolutely, 100%, I would agree with you. I would agree 100% that I love our church. I oftentimes just describe our church as a big family where there are people that love each other and care for each other and, and, and want to welcome each other and smile and care about your life and pray and, and all the rest of it. But, but even the best of families have strife and contentions and divisions that, that creep in. You know this to be true in your own personal family, in your, in your own marriage. That, that, that happens you, we begin to rub on each other. We begin to do something to each other. We, we act in a way that's less than spiritual. And, and what can happen? Even the best of church families can start to have carnality, can start to have, well, they sat in my seat. They took my parking spot. They didn't take my parking spot, but they took someone else's parking spot. And I saw them from a distance that they took their parking spot. I'm not shaking their hand. We're better off without them. I, I hope that they, that they go somewhere else, and I don't want to see them again. I'm not working on the nursery schedule with them. I mean, switch me. I'm not, no, no way, no way. No, I'll go on the toddler side, but not, not the infant side with them, no. Who does she think she is? She's saying like three times the past five Sundays. And she thinks she's hot stuff. I can sing just as good as she can. We laugh, but this exists in churches, does it not? This may, this may exist in your own heart and life right now. Oh, shake hands time. Oh, avoid them. I'm not going over there. I'm going to stay away from them. I'm mad at them. They didn't treat me like I thought they should. Eh? That's very, that can happen, can it not? Parents, I'm there right now with my kids. Your kid, you know, hurt my kid in the nursery. Well, they, they got the lead part. They got to be the shepherd. and They got to be Mary and Joseph in the play. How come my kid didn't get to be Mary and Joseph in the play? They're just as good as actors as them. What is that? What is all of that? It's carnality, it's envy, it's strife, it's divisions, it's not spiritual. And Paul says, understand, I want you to be spiritual. I want you to to depend on the Spirit of God. I want you to be there, but you're not there right now. Right now, your spiritual growth, it's impaired, it's hampered. Because your diet is milk, you're constantly in need of someone else to feed you, you're constantly in need of, of, of... needing to grow up, but you're not growing up. You're just, you're, you have a spiritual nursemaid and, and a pastor that's always feeding you and you can't feed yourself. There's, there's all this strife and contention that, that's crept in and Paul says, this is wrong. So what, what, do, we, what do we do with that? Because first, you assess where you're at. You assess and you ask yourself honestly, Am I a natural man? That may be the case. It may be that you just this morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, and you know that you just need Jesus Christ, and you need to get saved, and you need to start there. And maybe that you look and you say, you know what? There is, there is some carnality. When I look at him or her, that situation, I'm just, I'm, I'm been out of shape about it. I'm constantly butting heads with them. That's not the mind of Christ. That, that's, that's not scandalous grace. It's not the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness and meekness and love and patience and temperance coming out of you. Maybe that you look and say, you know what, I'm, I'm carnal. I need, something needs to happen. I need, this, I need the Spirit of God. I need His power. I need, I need to change. And maybe once you do that, then in turn you look and say, okay, here's what I want to do in 2018. For some of you, it would be a great goal 
to say, you know what, I feel like I can only, I can only just get fed, and I at least want to get to the point where I can feed myself spiritually, where I can have a relationship with the Lord, where that, that's my goal for this year, just to be able to, to have church in my bedroom by myself. It could be that you're there. And you need to have a goal of, you know what, I want to start influencing, teaching, and helping, and serving, and, and ministering to other people, and I want to, I want to get to that level. Whatever it, whatever it is in your life, look and see, where am I? And then assess and say, here's where I want to go. Here's some, let me just press this in in a super, super practical way, and I'll end on this. And maybe based on where you're at, that you say, okay, here's, here's an action item. Here's something spiritually for my life, for my family, that I want to do in 2018. I'll rattle off 10 or 12 of them for you. Maybe you say, you know what, I just want to start, in order to feed myself, I, I feel like I need to be fed a little bit more and get strengthened and then to do it. I just want to, I want to be in church every Sunday this year. For some of you, going to church 52 out of 52 Sundays would, would be a miracle. You've never done that in your life, and that would, that would be a great goal to have. Maybe you're there and you feel like, you know what, I should come and I want to, I want to have some more Bible. I want to come on a Wednesday night at 7. I want to come on a Sunday night at 6. Maybe it's I feel like I'm just disconnected. You say the church is a big family. I'm here every week. I don't feel like it's a big family. I feel like there's someone that, that's in my life, and you need to jump into a Sunday school class, and you need to make some connections and be with people there. Maybe you need to learn to feed yourself. I would recommend a discipleship program. We have that that exists strictly to, to feed you, but also to teach you some of those skills to feed yourself on your own. Perhaps you just need to carve out some consistent time for daily prayer. Perhaps you're going to read your Bible through this year. Perhaps you're not. Perhaps you're going to, I'm going to take six books of the Bible. I'm going to learn to digest them and know them very well. Perhaps you just need to go to the bookstore this morning and get a, 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 a Bible study Bible, one that will help you and will, will teach you and serve you well. Perhaps you need to start ministering somewhere. Perhaps you need to make it a goal that I'm going to finally witness to that family member or those coworkers that I've, that I've been wanting to. I don't know what it would be. But it should be something. It should be something, some things that you look at your life and you say, you know what, this year I want to grow. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to be a spiritual woman. I want to be a spiritual dad. I want to be a spiritual mom. I want to be a spiritual teenager. I want to be a spiritual elementary age student. I want to lead in that way. There should be a goal and a yearning and a desire that I want to know Jesus better than I've ever known him before this year. I want to have a relationship with him that is deeper and fuller and richer than anything I've ever had in my life. That should be your heart. That should be my heart. My, my own personal heart. Am, am I perfect? Have I arrived? Absolutely not. But I have a desire. You say, well, you should have a desire. You're a pastor. No, if you're a Christian, you should have a desire. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you know what he's done for you, you know the sin that he's forgiven you of, you know what he's given to you, you know how gracious he's been to you, you should want to know him. You should want to share him. That should be there. Me, you, all of us. If you don't, perhaps there's a problem. Perhaps you're natural. And you need to enter into a relationship. If not, perhaps you're carnal. Perhaps this morning, you need to repent of that. Say, Lord, I repent. I need your help. Well, whatever it is, I hope and pray that this year, this is a, a New Year's resolution sermon if there's ever been one. I hope that your desire is simply this. 
You put it all under this umbrella. I want to grow spiritually. I want to know Jesus. I want to know his word. I want to be more in love with him than I ever have been before. I want to see more people come to know him than, through my testimony in my life than ever before. That, that should be us.